Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. SoupX, the Startup Expo, North America's premier startup conference, is March 6th and 7th, 2017, in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Affordably priced, SoupX is a two-day international conference featuring workshops, panels, speeches, a $50,000 startup competition, and over 100 exhibitors. For more information, go to sup-x.org. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Marlon Nichols. He's the co-founder and general partner at Cross Culture Ventures. Marlon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing with uh, Cross Culture is um, very interesting, but maybe before we kind of get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and kind of start off with where you grew up. Oh, yeah, sure. So I, I was born in, in Jamaica, West Indies. Sure. Um, Lived there till I was about, uh, I think it was seven or eight, um, and then moved to New York, um, a place called Mount Vernon, New York, uh, right outside the Bronx, and pretty much grew up there. Though I spent my summers with my grandmother in Jamaica okay. until I was fifteen, uh, so I kind of think of myself as growing up in both places, New York and and in Jamaica. That's yeah. great. I, I love that when people can kind of grow up in, in, in two different countries, right? Because you get a totally different perspective on kind of the world and, and how things are, kind of the good and bad of both places, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say some, some real perspective on um, what it's like to live in, a, in, a, uh, in, in an established country versus a, essentially a third world country. Sure. And I also think like even just, I think like, obviously, like I was born and raised in Canada. And it's interesting how sometimes like when you're born in North America, you only really see the world through how kind of like North American kind of eyes. And I think it's nice. And like, as I've traveled a little bit, and you start kind of talking to people that have grew up in different parts of the world, it's really fascinating. There's things that, you know, that but you don't even consider, right, coming from North America sometimes, right? Or, or, or just like you're like, well, this app's big here, so it's got to be big everywhere. But that's not always the case, and it's always kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, you, you went to post-secondary. Um, what, what did you end up taking, and where did you end up going? Yeah, Northeastern University in Boston. And uh, my first year, or a good portion of my first year, I thought I was going to be an architect. Uh, okay. So I was an architecture major. Uh, so I was taking like art history and um, and some drafting courses, and realized pretty quickly that I, I hated it. It wasn't wasn't for me, and I wasn't very good at it. Sure. Uh, so started looking around for other things, and um, you know, I I've always been interested in technology sure you know, i had back you know not to date myself too much but first computer was a commodore 64. yeah yeah that's great man i love those, <laughs> those days though those are the good old days right <laughs> right i had had a, an atari and yeah, yeah. A vision and and all that stuff right so i was into i was into tech and um and and just wanted to figure out well, what could i do 
um, to incorporate that and and still you know and still be able to 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 be a productive member of society. So so I, I landed on a, a new major at the time called management information systems, which was a blend between tech and and business. Sure. And um, yeah, and you know I I really clicked in that in that major. Um, you know, grades started to to shoot up. I was having fun, and uh, and Northeastern is interesting because. You know, it's a it's a it's a co-op um, education program where you know you spend six months in the classroom and then six months um, working in the field that you're studying. So you know, getting some experience to see if it, it is something you really like. So um, yeah, spend some time with with HP, um, you know, and uh, and some other companies, and definitely figured out that I I, I love tech and and I love um, kind of the the startup. And, and and tech community, so it was it was uh, it was a good switch. For me. Sure. So was there like a, a defining moment, or what kind of got you passionate about tech and, and startup community? I don't know if there was a defining moment about about tech. There was definitely a defining moment around that I knew I wasn't meant to be an architect. Sure. Okay. Uh, you know, and or, or several actually. Okay. You know, when my my drafts would come back and and it would pretty much be subpar, or you know, you're in college and you wanna you wanna have a a mix of having fun and and being productive, and you know, I was up until like five in the morning, you know, drafting something where my classmates were done because they'd been doing it for years prior, or you know, we're done in a few hours and going out and partying and. Um, it just wasn't wasn't a good feeling, and then the the product at the end just wasn't fulfilling um, for me. Um, but then you know when when I uh, switched majors and and you know the first I think my first first co-op was with uh, John Hancock, the big insurance company, um, and they're based in Boston. Sure. And I was with their uh, their their web group, and you know I was helping them to to create some web properties that you know would help to kind of drive and manage traffic um, to their to their site and just being seeing the the instant gratification of that of that work was really um, again rewarding for me and 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 just showed me like this is this is something I, I can get into and then the, the, the culture in that department was very different from you know the rest of the company right it was kind of cool a little bit more laid back um, it was uh, very uh, results uh, oriented, right? Uh, and and a bunch of different people, right? So, um, and and I think that those characteristics, um, I continue to see them as I, you know, did my co-ops at, at other tech companies, and and um, I think it, it um, grew exponentially when I came out to the valley for six months uh, to to you know spend some time with with HP, and at that point, you know, I'm I'm in Silicon Valley, I'm seeing all of the other um, you know tech companies and getting introduced to the startup community and all that stuff and uh, yeah at that point I, I knew that you know um, tech and, and startups is where I wanted to to focus sure and then you also have an MBA correct yeah um, so was it 10 years after yeah. um, graduating from uh, Northeastern I, you know, I worked in 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 a startup software uh, company. I was ultimately sold to SAP, and then I spent um, spent time in the consulting space. Again, technology and strategy consulting. Um, you know, in kind of private equity, post M and A stuff, and then 
um, and then also uh, entertainment, media and entertainment. And decided, you know, the consulting thing wasn't for me and I wanted to pursue something else. So let me go back to business school to, to figure that out. And so, yeah, I chose Cornell and um, got introduced to venture capital while I was there. Had the opportunity to lead the school's uh, venture fund uh, for the, the, the two years and uh, really learned a lot about about the space. And it, it showed me that, you know, this is this is um, I like tech a lot, um, but this this side of the table is where I'm I'm more fitted to to sit and where I can add the most value. Sure. So did you do your MBA part time or do you, were you full time or or Oh no, it was full it was full time two year program. Wow, that's awesome. That that takes a lot of guts to just kind of take two years off and go back to school, right? Like that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but you know, I, I knew I wanted to uh, a change and this was the way to, to, to do it. And I was fortunate that the school gave me, you know, full scholarship in their leadership development program. Uh, so that so that helped a bit. Right. Um, sure. And and I didn't have, um, you know, a, a ton of a ton of bills and, and things like that that I need to, to deal with. Um, so it was it, it worked out. No, that's great. And so at what point you, you've you have a quite an impressive resume you've you've been an investor you've you've been in a bunch of big name companies um you've been a board member at a bunch of companies kind of walk me through kind of how um cross culture ventures came to be and exactly what is it sure so you know i spent close to 5 years with with intel capital um basically initially learning you know how to how to do the business of, of vc in the real world sure learn <laughs> um, on somebody else's dime i love it it's good right, right? Um, makes a lot yeah. of sense yeah and, and you know as a during my time there i somehow convinced them to uh sponsor me and pay for uh my participation in the kaufman fellows program okay and you know that that was a real uh, game changer for me and a real eye-opening experience um, because what it what it taught me just looking you know looking around the room was that hey there are, there's some incredible people sitting in this room from all around the world and you know some of them have been investing longer than me some of them have have been investing in a shorter period of time than me some of them have seen more success in investing and some have seen less and i was just thinking well you know why am i not uh, branching out on my own why am i not um you know looking to to pursue my dream what am i what am i waiting for and um and, and so that that kind of triggered something in me and i and i couldn't get it um, you know, off off of my mind, and in, also during that time, you know, Intel was looking to launch their diversity fund. Okay. Uh, so you know, I helped work really closely with uh, Lisa Lambert, who was my managing director at at the time, to basically uh, create it and 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 launch it and do some investments out of it. And and that you know, um, going through that process and doing that doing that research. Um, pointed out a, a number of things to me. Um, one, I didn't think, you know, doing a fund around uh, diversity for the sake of, of, of diversity um, was was a great idea or that it was going to be successful. Um, and then, you know, it had me thinking a lot about, well, what is, what is it about diversity 
that you know drives greater um, success for uh, for companies um, for and for programs. Uh, you know what 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 is it, right? Sure. And at the end, you know what what I came down to was you know uh, diversity is based on on culture, sure. right? So um, even in so let's just take the the black community. Um, the you know the, the black community in in the U.S. you know if you grew up in in New York versus Atlanta versus you know Miami, your um, your cultural values are very different. Sure. Right. And and those things uh, kind of drive your behavior ultimately. So cross culture is is really about understanding culture from a global perspective. Um, to to define or not define, but determine where consumers are going to how they're going to behave in the future and where they're going to spend money, right? And and so we do that do that research, um, you know, through through partners and, and some of it directly, uh, but you know we we try to understand um, what what's driving consumer behavior, and and where is it going to go in the future. And once we, you know, come across you know, a number of trends, we start investing in companies that that we think are, you know, properly or um, and aggressively addressing um, those trends. Sure. So I, I do want to kind of cover some of the the companies you guys have invested in, but you you mentioned kind of a partnership. Is that a partnership with like um, Adam Factory? Is that what you're talking about, or is there kind of other strategic yeah. partnerships so- that you guys are done? Yeah, so my co-founder um, Troy Troy Carter, right, is um, famous for uh, what he's done in in music, right? So you know, um, Lady Gaga, John Legend, Megan Trainer, right? Um, he's credited with you know creating great success for and defining those um, those artists' careers. Uh, he's also known for um, being a prolific angel investor. Okay. Right. Yep. And and both of those things are are through his company called the Atom Factory. Now, you know the Atom Factory started out as a um, as a uh, management company, right? Entertainment management company. Yeah. Um, but then once he started doing his angel investments, what he found out was that you know the same services that he was providing to the Gagas and legends of the world um, to make them uh, successful. Um, are the same, the exact same services that are um, pivotal, um, essential to startups at very the much so, yeah. at the very early stage. And we're talking about, you know, how do you how do you tell your story? You know, um, what what's the branding? Um, can we, you know, business development, right? All of those things are essential. And so um, the Adam Factory then turned into uh, an organ, an agency that helped both um, startups and artists. Fast forward, when we got together, um, you know, the the talent management aspect of the business uh, went away, and um, you know, he structured a joint venture with with Havas uh, Group, which is one of the largest advertising firms around the world, um, and created an entity called Smashed, okay. uh, and yep. Smashed is essentially a brand consultancy. Gotcha. So. So the way it the way it works um, with us now is that um, Smashed basically um, serves as the operational um, value add platform for the companies that that we invest in. So all of the you know the communication strategy, branding strategy, marketing strategy, and business development, um, you know, a lot of it runs through runs through that. 
and then on the um you know uh, i guess it's a it's a symbiotic relationship right because uh smash and havas they have you know a lot of um fortune 100 uh companies that they work very closely with and those companies are looking for innovation and uh startups are the heart <laughs> of sure. innovation so you know so we're able to to do a lot of business development work between those companies and our in our portfolio companies and then um also i mentioned the um uh you know the 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 cultural research and consumer behavior research a lot of that comes from you know um havas's operations in 256 cities around the world wow. so that's the that's the uh, kind of relationship and how we put it together. Sure. I, I, I love that. I, I love how you guys aren't kind of your traditional kind of VC firm because a lot of the services that you guys provide, most VC firms want nothing to do with, right? And I love kind of how you, you kind of do the whole spectrum, right? Because the, the stuff that you guys provide, especially kind of on the, the research side of things, is super valuable. And a lot of startups don't really know where to even start. Or have you found that? At least in my experience, I've found that. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we, we, we do when, you know, once we decide to, to make an investment in the company is we sit down. So the partnership gets in gets in a room um, and as well as the, the leadership of Smash. And we sit down and we talk to the companies and, you know, we say, hey, well, we're, well, first of all, this is probably the first time that the um, the agency is learning about the company. So, you know, tell us, you know, wh what's your story? What are you building? Where do you want to go? And then um, we put together a plan to kind of figure that out. Sure. So before we kind of get into some of the, the companies you guys have invested in, walk me through a little bit of um, kind of how you go about kind of deciding which companies you're going to invest in and geographical regions that you guys try to stay in, if, if any? Yeah, so um, we're agnostic in terms of geography. Okay. Right? Um, what we, you know, just to uh, give you a sense of, there are nine companies and, you know, we're, we're about a year and a half old now um, sure. as, a, as a fund, and there are nine companies in our portfolio. And so three of those companies are in the in the Bay Area, um, Oakland specifically. Okay. Uh, three are in the L.A. area. Um, so kind of both places where we have offices. Right. So we have an Palo Alto office and a Culver City, L.A. office. And then, um, you know, one company is in Brooklyn, New York. Another one's in Paris, France. And another one's in Nairobi, Kenya. That's awesome. So. Yeah. So, um, you know, what we're really going after. Right. Or we're we're looking for companies that can produce um, potentially um, global solutions right that are that are solving challenges that are relevant to you know consumers in many parts of the world right and uh, once we identify you know what what those trends are that we want to go after um, you know we, we look for the best companies and um, we don't care where where they are right um, if if they're not in the US you know we, we wanted there's certain things that we make sure of right that we have a a strong investor investment partner in that part of the world that can help the help the company on a day-to-day -day basis um, because of the distance Makes and also sense. that you know the CEO and members of his team are, are frequently in the US because the US is a um, 
you know, an essential part of their uh, of their growth strategy. So, the, you know, the, these are things that, that we think about. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I love the fact that you guys have people kind of in the countries um, to help with kind of the day to day. I think that's super important. So maybe what, run me through a couple of the, um, you know, companies that you guys have invested in and maybe give a quick overview about them. Jeez, I could talk for it <laughs> wherever. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess we'll start with Thrive Market, right? Okay. So Thrive Market is an online grocer. So, um, you know, that that focuses on organic and, and healthy um, products. Sure. So similar to, to what you'd find on the shelves of, of Whole Foods, but at a, you know, 40 to 50 percent um, discount on the on the price tag. Right. And they're, they're able to do this because it is a virtual um, a virtual store, uh, you know, two two fulfillment centers, one on the East Coast, one on one on the West Coast. Yeah. And and the idea here is that, you know, we want to democratize um, healthy lifestyles. Right. Sure. So irrespective of your social class, your race, your, um, you know, um, geography, you should have access to uh, high quality foods that are good for you and at a, and and at a price point that you can afford and so uh, thrive market is is going after that that challenge and, and they're making some significant headway um, with you know with with, uh, with achieving uh, that that goal right? sure so that's that's one. Um, I, I don't know if there are specific things you want to talk about with each with each company or just that if that overview is fine, I can. Yeah, I think the overview is good. I, I, like I just kind of want the the listener to understand kind of the types of companies that you guys have kind of invested in if they're if they're looking to reach out and potentially work with you guys. Okay, sure. Maybe give uh, me a couple more. Yeah, um, Maven is is another one that I'm I'm pretty still pretty excited about. This is actually our first investment. And uh, Maven's in the uh, in the beauty space. Right? Okay. So what they've done is they've created a mobile uh, platform that allows hairstylists, um, initially targeting, you know, um, primarily black hairstylists okay. in um, in you know um, mid to to lower end neighborhoods that don't have the capital to carry inventory risk. Oh, so essentially, for years they've been locked out of you know, earning, earning revenue on products, right? Sure. They, they're only, you know, people would go, their customers would go somewhere else to buy the products. And um, in some cases, like in, in the case of hair extensions, would bring it in to have it installed, right? right? So Maven basically said, no, uh, you shouldn't be locked out of this, right? Let's, let's make this um, <clears throat> affordable and, and, and lucrative for the hairstylists. So they essentially take on the inventory risk. They started with with hair extensions, um, which is a uh, nine billion dollar market essentially, um, sure. right? Which is it was crazy when when I learned that that was the size of the market. But yeah, started with with, with hair extensions. Um, you know, they do all the negotiating to to get the products into you know into their warehouse. They, um, you know, they, they do all the all the logistics and make sure they're ordering the, the right amount. And then they make it dead simple for the hairstylist to to sell to their consumer. Um, it's all done through uh, through mobile app. Um, and and the other thing to consider here is that a lot of uh, the consumers in this demographic uh, don't necessarily have um, bank accounts. 
um, aren't necessarily, you know, um, have internet at home, but they do have phones, right? Sure. And they and they can run run transactions through um, uh, through the phone. So essentially, what they've done is they've unlocked this massive market uh, that a lot of beauty brands um, have talked about wanting to um, approach or address for for years, but haven't either just haven't done the work to do it or haven't been able to figure out how to do it. So, you know, what in the future of the of this company is that there'll be that kind of distribution channel for some of these top brands, beauty brands that want to um, uh, to address these markets, want to take advantage of the um, <laughs> of the untapped capital uh, in these markets. Sure. I, I think that's great. And, and at least it's from the little I understand, like know about the company and kind of the industry, it sounds like you could move that into other verticals very easily. Yeah, I think they, I think they could. Um, I, I don't know that they necessarily need to, right? Just because sure. it's such a large, it's such enough. a large market. No, that makes sense. The, the two companies that at least um, I could see myself really using that you guys invested in um, is uh, Skirt, which Maybe I'll let you give a, a description of it, but uh, I, I think that one's kind of that one was kind of really fascinating to me and like a much needed thing that when I saw that on, you know, your guys' site, I was like, oh my god, like I why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Harry and Josh are, are awesome, and they and they came up with a really awesome idea. Uh, so, you know. The way that we the way that we thought about this this investment was you you have you know the Ubers and the Lyfts and others um, of the world that are addressing the um, transportation problem uh, you know individual or small group one or one to three people transportation um, problem and and uh, basically displacing taxis right. Sure. Now that is a wonderful model, and it's, and it's proved to be a really effective uh, model in in major mo- metropolitans, right? Totally. Um, now, when when you go to 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 metros that look a little bit different, like in LA, right, where um, things are a bit more spread out, um, or you know, you go to the 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 middle of the country, where um, things are really spread out, and and there aren't as many um, Uber drivers or or taxis or whatever for that matter, and and people need to rent cars, and then you look at the the issue um, uh, issues surrounding renting cars, right? The mm-hmm. hidden fees, um, <laughs> the, the just the broken process of of going and and waiting waiting in a line and then checking out. Um, you know, bringing the car back and, and f- trying to figure out, do I need to put gas in this? Okay, let me find a gas station and then hit hit fees for that. Or being a foreigner that's coming in uh, into the U.S. for a vacation and you get hit with um, <laughs> essentially uh, an international um, fee, which is huge. Or being under the age of 24, which sure. by the way is is not a um, an, an insurance thing, right? <laughs> um, like the 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 rental car places are not paying more on insurance because you're under 24, right? Sure, uh, this is this is something that they created. So getting rid of all those fees, and then on top of that, just being able to pull out your phone and and say, hey, I need a car, you know, that's gonna uh, 
dropped off to me here and I'm going to um, drop it back off to you um, at this or you're going to pick it up from me at, at this location at a later date. And here's exactly what it's what it's going to cost. And I want this specific car, this model of car here. Um, it, it's just a, an, a really awesome experience. And, you know, right now they're in, um, you know, they're in L.A., they're in Orange County, uh, San Diego and Miami right. um, and other cities, cities coming soon. What's real? What's um, from a business model perspective? What's really interesting about this company is that they do not own the fleets, right? So, yeah. So think about it. You've got rental car companies that um, are not able to move or you know rent out a good portion of, of their of their fleets. You have you know car manufacturers take a BMW that you know has cars sitting you know on the lot for for a year, pretty much just depreciating. Sure. Uh, why is that car depreciating when when it could be out on the road, um, you know, uh, earning revenue without, you know, um, adding a ton of miles on it or, you know, or <laughs> a lot of times they, they put those those cars in, um, you know, as service cars. Right. Sure. Um, so it's just a, a way for uh, those car manufacturers um, and, and other fleet owners to, to generate revenue on on inventory that's just basically sitting around yeah I, I think the other thing too like at least from what would appeal to me is i have like a young daughter and just waiting in line like i i guess like we've taken her to la a couple of times so it's like la is obviously lax is a kind of a nightmare and getting a car there is kind of a nightmare and so there's been times you know like obviously trying to keep a toddler entertained while you're waiting in line at, at the car rental place is kind of a nightmare and I've done it where you just end up like paying for a car to like pick you up so you can put the car the child car seat in and then you end up renting a car from like the hotel you're staying at or Airbnb or something like that right and so for me it, it's great if I could just either pick one up at the airport from you guys um, or I should say skirt and then um, you know or or the house I'm staying at right and not have to wait in line and just deal with that or I've done it where I've even just like gotten a ride to the hotel I'm staying at and then just get the rental car company to come get me at the the hotel because it's just you know you, you waste maybe an hour or two after you get off the plane especially if you're on vacation you don't really want to spend that first part of your vacation when you land waiting waiting for a car right so I, I think that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense yeah at least yeah, I, yeah. like that kind of really resonated with me the other one that really resonated with me is uh, Sidestep. I, I love going to see live music. And, you know, I usually try to get to a, a, a live show every, you know, month or two with, with a couple mm -hmm. buddies. And so, you know, and especially if you go to some of the bigger shows by bigger bands, um, you know, you might miss half the concert just waiting in line for, for the merch. So kind of walk me through kind of, I know I just kind of gave you a quick overview of Sidestep, but maybe do you want to dive a little bit deeper into exactly what Sidestep does? Yeah, so it's it's a software um, platform, software platform that allows um, artists to to basically uh, more in a more efficient way sell merchandise. Sure. Um, you know, merch is one of the the, the top revenue generators um, while an artist is on is on tour. It, it's actually responsible for the lion's share of the revenue, and um, you know, for there are a number of things wrong with the um, the existing process, right? One, it's usually a cash cash business. 
um, on site at, at the concert, um, which, you know, um, creates some levels of um, lack of transparency. Um, it also reduces, you know, the artists and their management's ability to forecast effectively, you know, how much of this T-shirt or whatever do I actually um, need to, to, to order um, for this, you know, world tour, right? Um, how much do I need for New York? How much do I need for Paris? How much do I need for London? Blah, 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 right? Um, you just you just don't know. And so what, what Sidestep um, allows you to do is, you know, they integrate with your the, the, the ticketing website or, or, or mobile app. And um, basically, once you buy your ticket, you're now able to purchase your, your merchandise in advance. Um, and you can pick it up, um, you know, at the at, at the at the venue. One other issue I didn't mention is the long lines and the churn um, that 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 comes from those long lines. Like you're at a concert, you don't want to be spending your time in line, right? You just want to go pick up your thing and and get back to it. Or maybe you want to wear um, this, you know, um, limited and unique item to the concert, right? Totally. Uh, yeah. Or maybe maybe it's after the concert. And um, and and you want something that's you know uh, memorabilia, right? You can order you know right from your mobile device at the concert, pick it up there, or um, you know have it sent to you. So it, it just it just makes it makes for a much more convenient experience for the for the consumer, and then for the artist, it, it cuts down on um, on revenue that's lost, you know, um, because of of long lines or uh, just not not um, being in a position to, to make the purchase at, at the concert. And then it gives, uh, it, it provides a ton of trans, uh, transparency and visibility um, and helps with uh, forecasting for, um, you know, for, for merchandise. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And what, what I love about the, the companies that you guys have invested in so far anyways, is, well, at least in my opinion, they solve like a real problem and, um, and, and there, there's even problems that like I relate to, right? And, and that's, I think, I find like a lot of companies don't do that, right? And so what I like about your kind of model is kind of you have this service side, which I think a lot of um, investors don't really have or care about or end up kind of maybe even spending some of that investment money to, you know, hire an outside firm or a team at the startup. And then you guys also really invest in people that that solve real problems, and and I love that about you, what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah, and, and you know it's it's a big part of the the strategy, right? So understanding uh, you know consumer behavior, it it points out you know real challenges that that people are people are having, and I think that if you invest in in companies that are solving real real challenges, they will inevitably be successful even in in down times right so in in, in down markets um, people are gonna continue to spend money on things that they they actually need um, a la a, a thrive market sure no that that makes a lot of sense so I'm, I'm curious maybe let's before we kind of end the show maybe let's mention one other kind of company that you guys have invested in that's maybe outside the the companies that we've we've covered or in the space that we've covered yeah, sure. Um, let's talk about the company in in Kenya. Um, okay. So it's it's called M Survey. Um, I guess the the long name is Mobile Survey, and it's in the 
um, voice of the voice of the consumer space essentially um, it's a survey company right they're just sure. using text messaging to communicate with um, they allow brands to use text messaging to communicate with prospective customers as well as current customers and they integrate with telcos in emerging markets to 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 do this right so I'll give you an example. Let's say you're, you know, Harvard Medical, and you wanted to do a study, um, some health study in East Africa. Well, M Survey is a is a very close partner with uh, Safaricom, one of the largest telcos in that in that region. And basically, you would input your, you know, the questions that you want asked, and they can get those questions out in a matter of, you know, seconds or minutes to every single subscriber, mobile subscriber, on Safaricom's network. Wow. And, and then they would have the, op- the opportunity to um, opt in to, to answer these questions or not. And then, you know, Harvard could then go a step further and say, hey, um, you know, I want to make sure that we get as much, as much response as possible. So let's give a dollar worth of data credit for every, um, every person that responds. Oh, very cool. Right. And so what what ends up happening? Oh, and then, by the way, you know, M survey pulls the data directly out of um, Safaricom's network and into their platform and they churn it um, almost real time so that as the responses are coming in, you're getting as Harvard, you're getting a lot of um, uh, important um, data points and, and analysis about, you know, what what the system what what these consumers or um, potential consumers are telling you about about the product, um, and, yeah. And so you know, if you think about uh, you know other online survey companies like a SurveyMonkey, et cetera, sure. they'd be happy with you know ecstatic even with nine percent response rate or ten percent response rate. Like that's good, right? And Survey sees twenty five to seventy five percent. Wow. That's insane, actually. Like, that's incredible if they're getting that kind of return. Yeah, it, it, it actually is. And I was blown away when we first sat down and, and, and talked to them. I was like, there's no way. Like, prove it. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it absolutely is true. And, and I think it's, you know, that's for a number of, uh, a couple main reasons. Uh, one, you know, text messaging is how the the majority of the world prefers to communicate now right it's it's um you know it's it's not as real time as as voice communication but it's not as inconvenient as voice communication totally but it but it's um but it's close to being to being real time right uh so that that's that's one and then when you add in the ability to incent folks in emerging markets in um in in real financial ways to you know participate and obviously the responses are anonymized. It's um, it's just a recipe for you know twenty five to seventy five percent response rates. Sure. sure. So I'm curious, and you might not know the answer to this, but are a lot of the people that are replying via text message in Kenya um, on smartphones, or are they kind of on the previous generation kind of, I don't know, like what whatever you'd call them like flip phones or or just the yeah. kind of old style phones pre smartphone i guess like some people refer to them as dumb phones but i i don't really like that term but yeah you know what i mean like yeah 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 do you know um, the percentage no, roughly 
Yeah, the the, the majority are, are definitely uh, not smartphones. Okay. But the smartphone penetration uh, on the continent of Africa is um, dramatically increasing. Sure. As um, you know, the, the the price to build these devices uh, comes down. Um, you, you you start to see uh, many many more of them there. But you know, M Survey allows you. It's 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 SMS, right? Right. So you don't need a smartphone to do this. Sure. Well, yeah, you could have either, right? Which is great about yeah. that. Yeah, and it's yeah. interesting because I know um, there's like a $10 Android phone at Walmart in the States off contract. And obviously on contract, you can get a really nice smartphone for free or pretty inexpensive. And, you know, I know like Google and a bunch of other companies have been trying to push um, cheaper phones into kind of those emerging markets. And it'll be interesting to see, but I, I love what, they're doing right i think it makes a lot of sense and especially if they can get that high of engagement that's that's an incredible startup and and i love something that's kind of outside of north america right mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. yeah that's great man well we're, we're we're kind of coming to the end of the show so maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and um the firm yeah so you know we have a website it's uh, crossculturevc.com and to reach out to us is just contact us at crossculturevc.com. And then you can find me on Twitter at Marlon C. Nichols. And I'm, I'm pretty engaged on Twitter, so I'm happy to, happy to, to, to talk and debate with anyone. So. Perfect. Well, Marlon, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to be on the show and look forward to keeping in touch with you and uh, you know, have a good rest of your day. Yeah, same here. Thanks for having me. This was fun. All right. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.